Hi, and welcome to the Connection Over Perfection podcast. I am Amber McRae, your therapeutic nutritionist and host. Join me on a holistic healing journey where we explore the power of nutrition and connection for your overall well-being, where we embrace connection over perfection. The content provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The intention of the host and guests is to spread love and awareness. Always seek the advice of your physician or trusted healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard in this podcast. Are you loving our journey together? Then you'll definitely enjoy the Podcast Connection Network alongside Hunter Allen of Everything is Connected and Heather Harrington from Hot Mess Espresso. We're bringing a rich mix of stories and insights. Each show adds its own flavor to our vibrant network. Dive in and explore. Your next podcast obsession is waiting. Join us in this ever-growing community of authentic voices. The link is in my link tree or in the description of this episode. Okay, amazing souls, welcome back to another episode of Connection Over Perfection. Today, I am honored to introduce to you an extraordinary individual whose journey through the world of holistic wellness is nothing short of remarkable. Our paths first crossed at the Energetic Health Institute, we know as EHI. We embarked on our shared quest for knowledge and healing, and now she is my mentor and beautiful friend. One of the things that I really love about Addie is that she is all about teaching how to learn. She continuously challenges me to push myself further, helping me create confidence and knowledge on my own versus just being told the answer. I believe this is one of the things that makes her such a wonderful mentor. So thank you for that, Addie. Today, we are about to dive into her incredible story that's brought her to where she is now. Her path, which began with a life-altering diagnosis, has been a roller coaster of remarkable achievements and significant challenges. From battling the depths of despair to reaching the heights of holistic well-being, her journey embodies resilience, determination, and the transformative power of holistic nutrition. Throughout her path, she has not only overcome her own health challenges, but has also become a certified holistic nutritionist, a restorative wellness practitioner, and a life coach. Her passion and expertise have empowered so many to reclaim their health and vitality. Get ready to be inspired by the amazing Addie Hartkin, whose story serves as a shining beacon of hope and inspiration for us all on our personal journeys to well-being. Addie, welcome. Thank you so much, Amber. (laughs) That was a great introduction. I appreciate all the words of um, inspiration, and um, I definitely am really happy to be here. Awesome. I love it. That's one of my favorite parts is the introduction. So, Addie, what inspired you to focus on, you know, reducing inflammation, food sensitivities, gut health, and how does your journey with ulcerative colitis tie into all of this? Yeah, well, I think that in order to kind of explain like how I got here and got into, you know, this field, I have to really 
tell you a little bit about that journey. <laughs> I would not be here and I would not be doing the work that I do if I had not gone through that myself. When I was 17, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And that is an autoimmune inflammatory bowel disease. So it is something where you get ulcers throughout your colon, lots of loose stools, lots of bleeding. It's really um, can be very intense and you typically will get a lot of additional autoimmune symptoms with it. And so I got everything that you could possibly think of. It was one of the most severe cases of ulcerative colitis most of my doctors had ever seen. So I quickly became bedridden for two years struggled with that for a very long time. Um, two years is a long time to be in a bed. The only time I was out of my bed really was to go to the bathroom, bathe, which I needed help with both of those things, and then to go to the ICU or the emergency room about every other month, sometimes every month. At my worst, it was um, actually May of 2007. I had been in the hospital for a full month. I had I was weighing 83 pounds at that point, which was very thin for my size. I'm five foot six, and I was um, had a pick line in my arm for nutrition. Um, it's like where they put nutrition straight into your bloodstream because my digestion couldn't absorb any of it. I had bags and bags of blood transfusions. It was towards the end of that month-long stay in 2007 that the doctors came in and told me that I had three months left to live. Now, leading up to that, they had pushed me multiple times, all my different doctors, to get my colon removed. They wanted to cut it out because they figured since that's the part that's ulcerated that um, they might as well just get rid of it. <laughs> For whatever reason, something in me, even though I had no idea about holistic health yet, um, just knew that wasn't right. And refused it. I had doctors drop me from their care. I continued to say no. And so when they told me I had three months left to live, they said that it was likely um, that even if we took out my colon at that point, I wouldn't even make it. I decided that that was not a helpful piece of information <laughs> and that there had to be another way. And if there wasn't, then that was okay, but I was going to die trying. And so that's when I started my journey to research everything about the body, learning about, you know, what causes disease, what, what creates healing, what is this disease that I was struggling with? How does your gut even work? I didn't even, I couldn't even tell you where my liver was. I couldn't even tell you like anything about the anatomy of my body. Like at that point, I didn't know much at all. And no one had talked to me about diet. The most that I got was that you needed to eat a bland diet, which was basically, you know, those flaked potatoes out of a box. You know, pasta with butter on it, which um, I later found out I was sensitive to gluten. So that was definitely not helpful. They had, you know, one of those weird like bouillon broths that's like not even made out of real chicken. And that's what they would serve me in the hospital when I would go. I remember one time my parents were trying to figure out other things they could do to help me. And they tried bringing in a green drink and the doctors got mad at them for smuggling and a green juice. That is kind of where I came from. And I never went back to the hospital again. I never saw another allopathic doctor. I got weaned off of all my medication. And on Independence Day, July 4th of 2007, I took my last dose of um, prednisone, which I was on a very high dose of before, and I never had to go back again. And so that's really what's inspired me to get into this field is because as I healed, it took me probably a good another six to eight years to fully become symptom free because I had no one to guide me. And there was not as much information on the internet as there is today. Through all of that healing, I started to figure a lot of things out, started to heal slowly. And I noticed that even though I wasn't completely symptom free, that I was staying out of the hospital and I wasn't having to go back to doctors. 
And um, the first thing I did was change my diet. And then from there, there were so many other things that I explored and tried to do throughout the years. But as I did that, I, I got more and more excited about learning how the body works and how amazing it is and how much I could actually improve from where I came from, being able to walk, being bedridden, having full body arthritis. I had so many things wrong with me that started to get better just through changing my diet and starting to manage my stress better, you know, increasing my nutrition in various ways, taking very targeted supplements, acupuncture, other different holistic therapies. And that made me very inspired to share that with other people. Because when I was first diagnosed, it just felt like a death sentence. They said, this is a chronic disease. You will never cure it. You'll have this your entire life. We need to take out your colon and we need to put you on medication to shut your entire immune system down. And they're like, this is it. This is your life now. And that was devastating as a 17-year-old when I was diagnosed. And so to find out ways that I could make that not true I was like, people got to know this stuff, right? Like we've got to know, we've got to share this information and get that out there. Because how many people are being told the same things about maybe not even just ulcerative colitis, maybe all sorts of other diseases, right? Right. And how many people are in their hospital beds eating a bunch of junk that's just keeping them sick? They're being prescribed that by the doctors. That is something that definitely fueled my passion for the work that I do and and really made me want to get this out there and share with people that, yes, there's a place and a, a time and a place for Western medicine. I feel like for emergency situations, your heart stops, you've got a broken bone, something like that. We yeah, need exactly. Western medicine for that type of stuff. For chronic disease, that's that's where I really start to question where their role comes in. I think that there's so much we can do for with preventative medicine, and there's so much we can do to heal when um, we're experiencing chronic disease with natural methods and within that are within our own power. There are tools that are within your own reach right now, and you don't need anybody to approve it for you. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree. And Addie, I just want to thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us. And that is amazing that the resilience, you're like, no, this isn't my end. I'm going to do whatever I can just to even learn and grow and question. And I think that that is one of the things that I talk about a lot is just beginning to question, is beginning to question and the empowerment that you feel. And I love hearing you talk about your story and just that you, so many people are where you were. They are being diagnosed. They are being told that this is, this is the end all be all. There are no other options. You're saying, listen, there are so many other options, Yeah, options that are doable. And I think too, that that is something that most people don't understand. And I think that it's scary for them because, and I don't know if you've experienced this, is that that change can be scary because stepping outside of what we've been programmed or told our whole lives is this is the way it's supposed to be there. We don't even know what's on the other side of that. Right. And so let me ask you a question. When, when they told you, Hey, this is what it's going to be. Was it just a feeling in you like, you know, I'm going to just research instead of just taking on what they told you? Because honestly, so many people just take that on as their fate. What do you think made that different for you? It's a hard question to answer um, because I think there are so many things that went into it. I think part of it was I was raised to think for myself to not just take things at face value. So thanks to my parents for instilling that and giving me the courage to consider thinking of another way. But 
I had already researched a little bit um, at that point, not much. If they gave me a medication, I would look up the side effects, see if it seemed like something really right for me. So I was always kind of pushing back on things that I felt like weren't quite right for me. They would give me medications where the side effects were more diarrhea or more <laughs> um, intestinal bleeding or things like that. And I'd be like, why are you giving this to me when potentially like it could worsen my symptoms, right? When it's why are the side effects are the things I'm trying to get a- away from. Um, I would also check the medications before the nurses gave it to me. I can't tell you how many times I would be almost given the wrong medication or I was given the wrong medication at various points. So I had already started to be more involved in my healthcare than maybe they expect from most people. Um, And so I think that somewhere in me, I started to feel a little bit rebellious because I started to notice all these things. And I started to feel kind of frustrated and hurt by the doctors, even that they, um, you know, if I, if I refused to get my colon taken out, that they would drop me from their care. Like, how is that even okay? They never gave me a message of hope that there was always doom and gloom. You know, and and I think I just started to notice those things and just feel intuitively that that wasn't right, that that wasn't not the answer, that there was no way that that was was right. Yeah, no, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. So I think I hear the two things that really stood out for you that kind of were pivotal in your healing journey was one that you were allowed to question, which is really foreign to so many people. I think this generation um, becoming aware of how important it is to allow their kids to ask questions and be curious. And like you said, that pushback, right? Exactly. So I think that that's such a huge thing. And then also that you were your own advocate. And I think that that is a huge piece that so many people are missing. And I feel like this overall fear has really stripped that from people. And, and I, I believe mm-hmm. in somewhat that that was planned mm-hmm. that, you know, taking our power away from us, being able to ask questions, being able to advocate for ourselves. Like right. you said, you were checking your medications, you were researching, you know, Hey, whatever the nurses were bringing in or the doctors were bringing in, like you have a voice Mm -hmm. and you can say, Hey, this doesn't feel right for me. I think that so many people do not feel they have the right or the power to even question those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, a lot of the trauma that came from being as sick as I was, despite the fact that I was in constant pain, despite the fact that I was so sick that I was hallucinating, despite the fact that, you know, I couldn't use my body, that I missed my senior year, that I, you know, all these different things. The thing that was the most traumatic out of that whole experience was the way that I was treated by doctors and nurses for questioning things and for trying to make my own choices. You know, they even at one point got social services involved, even when I was 20 years old, when they were telling me I had three months left to live before they gave me that diagnosis, they got social services involved. Um thinking that maybe they could kind of get my parents away from me um, because they were supportive of my views and they were trying to kind of like break us up basically as a family unit um, in order to get me to do what they wanted me to do because I think they were scared because the doctors didn't know how to help me. They, They didn't want my death as a mark on their record. You know, there was lots of ugly things like that that happened and I don't think that anyone was maliciously trying to be terrible, but I think that they're trained to be a certain way, how to think a certain way. And when someone questions that and pushes back, it's foreign to them. And I think that it's scary to them because they, they don't have those answers. 
how to manage disease. They don't know how to, to actually heal. And so I think that that is just part of their training. And that's not any fault of these people. But I think that it's something that as individuals and just people trying to heal, um, that's something important for, for us to learn is that the healing is actually in our hands. And we've been kind of conditioned to see the white coat as the authority and to feel like we don't know anything and we just have to listen to what they say um, because they have all this training, because they have a PhD, because they've done all this um, years and years of expensive schooling. And the, the reality is, is that they know very well how to manage symptoms and suppress them and change medications and things like that. They don't know how to actually help you heal. Yeah, that I love that perspective. And I love that you highlighted that, you know, a lot of people when we talk about Western medicine, there's this very negative energy. Um, but that you highlighted that it it's not malicious. Most people are not being malicious. It's just a lack of when you when you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. Again, that overall fear that is used as a tool to get people to cooperate has worked for so long and still works for so many mm -hmm. that they just use that tool to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, they mm -hmm. didn't want to take the fall for that. Right. It wasn't really about you. It was about them. And I think that that is what so many people are finding out now mm -hmm. is that they're like, wait, what about me? Right. What about, what about us in this? Yeah. And that's one of the, things that I am so passionate about holistic nutrition is that it's so individualized and that we're all so different. And, and speaking of that, it goes back to our gut, you know, how does gut health influence our overall well-being and the connection with ourself? You talked a lot about that mm -hmm. and, you know, intuitive and things like that. So how does that relate to being connected to yourself and others? So it's a great question and so much right? There's so much I could say on this topic. The first thing that comes to mind is that the very first book I found that was had anything to do with what I was going through that really opened my mind to holistic healing was called Listen to Your Gut. It was by Jeannie Patel Thompson. Um, she had gone through Crohn's disease and had spent eight years um, learning how to heal that, which is the sister to ulcerative colitis. And I think that that title sums it up perfectly um, in a lot of ways. <laughs> is that, um, you know, listen to your gut. Number one, um, you have more of a connection with your body than you probably realize if you just listen to it. So that's super important. Gut specifically is not only responsible for digesting your food and turning it into nutrients that you can actually utilize for all the processes in your body, but it's also the home of the majority of your immune system, I think it's something like, maybe don't quote me on this, but probably about 75% of your immune system, I think, lives in your gut. And then it's also uh, considered your second brain. And so there's so many parts of your nervous system, different microbes that create different, you know, beneficial bacteria and whatnot that create neurotransmitters for your brain and all sorts of things like that. So there's there's this huge connection between your emotions, your mindset, your, you know, your uh, immune system, all of those things in your gut. And so when we talk about, you know, listen to your gut, what the reason that that's even a phrase is because a lot of people feel with their gut because of that connection with our nervous system. So, you know, I think it's really, really important to put a focus on gut health, no matter what you're going through and make sure that that's really solid before you do anything else. Because if you think about any healing process, it doesn't matter what you've got going on, 
you need to be able to absorb the food that you're eating and absorb the nutrients from it and turn those into usable building blocks for all the other processes in your body. So if that's not working right, your healing is going to be super difficult. (laughs) So you need to have that process working right. Um, And then you need to also take a look at your emotions, you know, and how you hold stress. A lot of people hold stress in their gut. They hold it in their digestive system. They, They hold tension there. You can feel it in your body a lot of times. If you notice where do you feel tension when you're stressed, you take a minute to think. Most people will point like right below their sternum. And sometimes they point lower down to their belly. And sometimes it's in their back. But a lot of times um, people do tend to store those emotions there. And that affects your digestion. It affects the building blocks that you're trying to absorb in order to do everything else in your body to produce energy. All of those things, you need your gut to be working right. I think that that's a huge part of it. And starting to listen, like when you eat something, like, why am I eating this? Is it Am I eating this because it's fun? Because it excites my taste buds? Because it's convenient? Am I eating this to actually help myself become better in my future and actually be able to reach my dreams? Am I putting this into my body to build that future version of myself? Or am I just kind of mindlessly throwing this in because it's something I've been conditioned to do? And so I think that that's a really, really important part of healing is to start asking yourself that question. When you go to reach for food, what is this giving me or what is it taking away? And your gut health is um, so interconnected to that question. And Without becoming aware of that process that you go through in your mind, your um, your gut is um, going to have a harder time healing because you're you know in this society there's so many not real foods out there for us to eat. A lot of people don't even realize that what they're eating is is creating disease. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to explain that to us. And it leads me into another question: Is that right now there's so many and I think there always is, crazes, people wanting to know, hey, what are my hormones? I need to get my hormones tested. I need to fix my hormones. My testosterone is off. And these are the two things that I hear so much from my clients is like, well, I need to get my testosterone checked. My hormones are off. I want to go take that test or, you know, and I'm always referring them back to, well, let's start with the gut. Mm -hmm this is your jam. And so can you just explain to the listeners why it's so important first to start with the gut? I mean, you did a little bit, but can you go just a little bit more in depth and why it's so important to start in the gut versus going straight to more the symptoms? Right, right. So as I mentioned before, you know, number one, you have to be able to digest your food to be able to do anything else in your body, right? Like for your hormones, for example, you need to have adequate cholesterol, actually. Surprise, you need cholesterol. It's actually good for you. <laughs> um, you don't want it to be imbalanced. You don't want it to be calcified, but you do need cholesterol to build your hormones. So that's like one thing, you know, you need those kinds of building blocks. You need proteins to create enzymes that speed up every process in your body. You need, you know, uh, different, uh, tons of different nutrients. There's so many different nutrients we could talk about to do everything, including your hormone, um, you know, detoxification even. And then when we talk about hormones, there's also, you know, people can be underproducing or they can be overproducing to detox from the excess hormones. Actually, there's a very important part in your gut, especially for women, to detox extra estrogen. There is something called beta-glucuronidase, which can inhibit your detoxification from estrogen. The mechanism of that usually gets triggered. This extra beta-glucuronidase gets triggered from typically like 
not having enough fiber in your diet and having leaky gut issues and things like that. And so your gut health is playing a big role in you being able to actually detoxify from excess hormones as well. So there's so much in your gut there. But in addition to that, there's kind of a hierarchy of healing that your body has. Gut is kind of like the beginning, right? You got to get that right. Even if you don't have digestive issues, you probably want to check out your gut health if you've got anything else going on. For example, your skin, if you've got something happening with your skin, you've got eczema, psoriasis, something like that. That's the last place that symptoms tend to manifest. So if you've got something going on with your skin, there's a bit of stuff going on inside for probably a lot longer. And so starting with your gut as that foundation and working your way out is usually much more effective than just jumping straight to hormones. If you just go and you just, you know, um, supplement with DHEA or you supplement with pregnenolone or progesterone or something like that, or you even go on like bioidentical hormones or synthetic hormones for that matter, but you just do that, you're not actually addressing the root cause. You're not actually going to be shifting how your body is producing those hormones. You're just giving it a crutch until you can figure that out, basically. So you want to go and find the root cause. And that's really the key with healing is what is actually causing this imbalance. Yes, there's an imbalance. Yes, you probably need more hormones, potentially, if that's what you find is that your hormones are low. But just giving yourself more hormones doesn't actually fix the mechanism of producing those hormones. And so your gut health is first. Um, And then you can go to other areas. You can look at your liver health. You can look at your um, adrenal health, which is hormones, but it's not going to work right if your gut's not working right. So that's why it's important to start there. It's like the deepest root cause that you can find. And then you work your way out from there and look for more clues. Thank you for that. Yes. And right on the money is the root cause. And about this approach is that it does take more time, which people have a really hard time with, but it saves people so much money in the end because you can be spending so much money on supplements. A lot of them are not cheap and doing all of these tests, changing your diet. But like you said, if your gut health, the root of it is not fixed and healthy, you're just going to be basically throwing that money down the drain because your body either won't be able to absorb it as most of the time is if your gut is off, you won't even be able to absorb all of the things that you're taking in. And that's so huge. And a lot of people don't really understand that. And they get, they get impatient. What would you say to people that because we are in such a quick fix society that this approach to healing is much more long-term than short-term. Like you said, most Western medicine is about just treating a symptom. It's about putting a Band-Aid on it. And then what happens is it either comes back or it comes back tenfold. Right, right. It is really, really important to understand this in healing that we're so used to taking a medication and immediately feeling a shift, right? You have some pain, you take some aspirin, you take some Advil, whatever, it goes away. When we talk about actually healing and not just taking something that's going to flip a mechanism that's going to not allow you to feel whatever it is that's going on, the problem's still there with Western medicine. When you take that medication and that symptom goes away, the problem's still there. You just don't feel it. And so when you actually want to heal, really, really heal, (laughs) then you kind of shift your mindset around it because it's going to take longer to notice the results because your body has so many processes it has to go through 
so many cells it has to attend to, so many different organs that are trying to function all together and so many different um, enzymes and so many different nutrients and all these things that have to be in the right place at the right time and do all their jobs. Such a, you know, brilliantly designed machine, but it takes time to get all of that in order. Even if you think about like a red blood cell, for example, red blood cell, the turnover for red blood cells is about 120 days. So we're talking about four months for you to get new red blood cells in your whole entire body. So think about that. It can really take a lot of time to heal. It can really take um, a lot faster than just taking something that immediately takes your symptoms away in an hour or whatever it is, or 15 minutes, or, you know, sometimes medication can happen very quickly where you feel this immediate effect. And you have to understand that healing takes time. But if you do it right and you stick with it and you're persistent and you continue to uncover the next layer of the onion, so to speak, then you get real healing and you actually feel stronger. You actually have more energy. You actually look more vibrant. You know, my husband teases me all the time because he was with me when I was told I had three months left to live. We were boyfriend and girlfriend in high school. He lived through that with me and he always teases me and says, you know, how is it that you get prettier and prettier (laughs) the older we get? He acts like I'm aging backwards. And it's because my health gets better and better as I get older, because I I know more, I learn more, I implement more. And so that can be true for people too. You know, it's, we don't have to just look at aging as, as feeling worse. I felt better since I turned 30 than I had in all the years prior to that. Understanding that if you're persistent and you stick with it and you keep looking for the next layer of the onion, like I said, that you will continue to feel better. Um, it makes it worth it. And that mindset shift that has to happen where we let go of the sick identity. We let go of this identity that we are sick, that there's something wrong with us. For the longest time, I identified as I have ulcerative colitis, my disease, I would say things like that. And eventually I started shifting out of those words and started thinking of myself as a healed person, even before I was symptom free. And started claiming that I'm a healthy person mindset. And when you shift your thoughts into that identity can really, really help your healing process because you start making choices that a healthy person would make. You start with everything that you're putting in your body, every action that you're taking, you start thinking of it as what would a healthy person do? What are the habits that they do? What foods do they choose? And so that's where healing really starts to be more effective and more impactful is if you can claim that healthy identity. And the one other thing I would say about that is that um, healing is not a linear path. So unlike when you take a medication and you just feel this immediate relief in symptoms with healing, sometimes you're going to feel a little bit better. And then your body has to go through to like maybe the next deeper level of whatever it's got going on and more symptoms will sometimes come up. And you'll feel like you're going back a step. But if you see through it, it's called a healing crisis. So if you see yourself through that and you continue to do all the things you know are good for you, then that will eventually get better too. And so healing can be kind of a winding path and and also um, a little bit of detective work where you have to figure out, okay, what's the next step? You know, this is resolved. Now what? Maybe your gut's good. Maybe we do need to take a look at hormones now. Maybe we do need to take a look at if there's any like heavy metals or things like that. And so being patient, being persistent, and claiming your new healthy identity, I think are some of the most important things you can do to truly, truly heal. 
I love that. You you said so many good things in there. I'm like trying to write them. I wrote them down in my brain instead of on my paper, which I should have wrote them on my paper. But you were saying um, the first one that comes to my mind is words. Words are so powerful. And I love that you touched on that and that healing your body and your gut and your physical does not just start in that physical, doesn't just include food. It doesn't just include supplements. It doesn't just include, you know, cleaning up your gut. It also does include your mindset shift, your perspective, the way that you are looking at things, the way that you are speaking to yourself and how much power that actually has on your healing journey. And this is with anything really, but in this healing journey, that has so much power and I don't think people give it enough credit. They're like, oh, well, this is not really going to make a difference. You know what I mean? If I, if I just say I have this disease versus I'm, I'm a healed person, what is that going to do? That's not going to make it go away, you know, and they have this mindset. But like you were saying, that shift chemically actually changes it within your body right. yeah, and it helps the healing process and helps your body absorb more nutrients and receive the healing that you're providing from the nutrients and cleaning everything up. So I, I think that that's amazing and a beautiful point that you touched on. So thank you for that. And back to, you know, when you talk about Western medicine and you talk about what you do and other holistic nutritionists, what I do is that, that personal approach and really taking a look at the person, getting to their root cause and just looking at them as a whole versus just a number or another patient in the bed. You know, could you explain your personal approach, which focuses on understanding the whole person? How does that support healing in different aspects of life and what makes your approach unique? Absolutely. So this is a great point. This is what makes us holistic <laughs> practitioners. Right? Holistic just means the whole I think a good way to explain this is, is to, to talk about how the doctors want to take out my colon. They saw the colon as the problem. My colon is a problem. Let's just get rid of it. <laughs> I had the good fortune of speaking to a nurse who actually had gone through that procedure when I was in the hospital. She had gone through that procedure. She had ulcerative colitis. She went through the procedure. They took out her colon and she had to live with a colostomy bag the rest of her life. Her symptoms went away for a couple months and then they came back and she did not have her colon. So um, that really opened my eyes a lot to the fact that we can't just isolate these pieces of our body. And we also can't eliminate important essential organs to all the processes that we have going on in our body um, to try to get rid of the issue. So every piece of our body is working in community with the rest of our body. There's no one piece that works just on its own that's not influenced by something else. And you can see this with with all sorts of different disease processes, you can see if you just even think about your blood, your blood doesn't just stay in your heart. Your blood doesn't just stay in one area. I mean, it goes in all sorts of um, parts of your body and your, you know, stomach, for example, your stomach um, helps you digest protein. It helps you absorb your minerals. 
that protein is the building blocks for pretty much every single structure in your body. It's a building block for enzymes. Without your stomach working properly, then think of all the different things, your skin, your muscles, everything, right? Everything would be impacted. So nothing works in isolation. I think it's really important to understand that. So that's one part of holistic. The other part of holistic is that everybody is bio-individual. Everybody has a different um, upbringing, different emotional factors that influence their health, different um, eating habits that affect their health. A lot of times we see certain, you know, families how like maybe they all have a tendency towards obesity or they all have a tendency towards diabetes. And sometimes there's a genetic component there. And sometimes I just wonder how much of that is just the the diet and lifestyle that that family shares and how that's influenced their health in a similar way. Everybody has this very individual aspect to them. There is a genetic component. There is, you know, a lifestyle component. There is a what phase of life are they in component. Um, and so what's right for you right now might not be the same thing that's right for you in a couple years. For example, I was vegan at some point in my healing journey. It helped me a lot when I started. I was vegan for two years and then I started to plateau and then I found out I was sensitive to every single legume on the face of the planet. Um, and no longer had a protein source as a vegan that was not creating an immune reaction for me. And so I switched back to meat again, improved a ton more. And so we've got to think of ourselves as individual from other people. We also got to think of ourselves as this moment in your life. What do you need specifically to get over this obstacle that you're at right now or to maintain this level of vibrancy that you have? And so as holistic nutritionists, that's what we look at. And we try to use some objective testing. We also um, look at, you know, your your habits. And um, and then also, you know, the emotions is, you, you touched on that, Amber, is the emotions is hugely impactful, your emotional state in your health overall. And in fact, I would put money on that pretty much anybody with any sort of chronic disease started with an emotional component. Maybe they experienced some trauma. Maybe they had a stressful event in their life that triggered that their body just couldn't cope with anymore. So when we are stressed and have these intense emotions, it sets the groundwork or kind of creates a susceptibility to getting infection and getting overloaded with toxins and things like that. And sometimes the toxin overload is already there. Sometimes um, that also weakens things. But between the toxins and the emotional component, that's kind of like where I see most of uh, chronic disease starting. And then from there, things kind of snowball. So looking at everything from that perspective is, is hugely important to help you heal. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. Pun intended. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I love that you mentioned was that we hear so much that it's it's hereditary, it's hereditary. And while there is some of that, I love that you touched on the fact that some of it isn't. And I was very surprised when my grandmother was in the hospital and she was getting um, surgery. He was talking about her diet and what was going on with her. And he actually said, you know, it's not hereditary. They say it's hereditary only because of the the way that people do things in their family. So the way that they eat passes down from generation to generation. So in that aspect, it does pass down, not through chemically in our body. And so I thought it was amazing that he did say that to her. And I was like, see, see, grandma, I'm not crazy. It, other people say this stuff too. <laughs> um, so 
huge thing. And we're not saying that that's everything, but there is that factor to be aware of and, and to look into. Right. And that's one of the reasons that we do extensive questionnaires and things like that, because we do, we want to know all about you because every part of what is happening to you, what you do affects mm -hmm. you. And I am for sure all about the emotions and, and looking at that too, and how they're connected and they work together. One thing also that you mentioned is, you know, trauma. And when we have somebody who has been living in fight or flight in that sympathetic mode for their whole life. And if you, just the, just the thought of the amount of cortisol that's being pumped into their body and creating acidity, there's no wonder that we have a society full of disease. If you look around and I mean, there isn't anybody that I talk to that hasn't experienced some form of trauma in one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And, you know, some people think of trauma as some, you know, big traumatic car accident, you know, some sort of abuse, something like that, like some major um, heavy type of thing. But sometimes even just our, our social conditioning can be a form of trauma. You know, the pressure we put on ourselves to perform in a certain way that maybe isn't actually aligned with ourselves because that's what we've been conditioned to do. Perfectionism, that's, that's trauma in itself. Um, and so, <laughs> yes, <yeah>. it is. <laughs> so I think sometimes people don't even realize like how much is actually there, you know, with that. One thing I just wanted to, to mention too about the genetic component is that the newest research is epigenetics, which is that genes are not set in stone. And so, for example, I have ulcerative colitis in my family history. There's a cousin with it. There's like a grandma and then, and, and so that's in my history, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to have it my entire life. It doesn't mean I'm even going to get it. What I see it as is that it means that when you are not caring for yourself and your body is overburdened with whatever it is, whether it's emotions, whether it's toxins, whether it's, you know, staying up too late at night, things like that. When you start to get overburdened and your body cannot no longer handle that burden, you might manifest that towards the genetic disposition. So I might get ulcerative colitis, you might get something else that runs in your family, someone might get diabetes, someone might get cancer. It's how our genes express themselves when they are not doing well, it might be more of that kind of component there. But that doesn't mean we can't turn off that part of the genes, we can turn that off, we can turn it on. That is the newer research kind of shows that there's more of a malleability to those genes than being set in stone. And so if we take care of ourselves and we nourish ourselves and we breathe and we do all the things that we know are um, good for our self-care and our wellness, then we can keep those genes turned off. I love that perspective. And so I just kind of want to repeat that back to you for myself and for the listeners is that I think what you're what you're saying is that looking at genetics and looking at disease that runs within your family it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get it because somebody has it. It just it's a sign of how your family or genes manifest disease within their bodies. Right. And so it's very common in your family when you're not caring for your body that ulcerative colitis comes up for your family. And you're saying that if you take care of your body and you nurture it, you have the ability to stop that from manifesting within your body. You have a much better chance. Much better chance, yes, not that you won't ever, but that I think so many people feel like they're doomed. Yeah. And that 
that mindset that, oh, this runs in my family, I am going to get it no matter what I do. And it kind of already defeats them before they even start. What would you say to that? I would say that I, I would say that Western medicine is not a a type of medicine that inspires hope. Um as there's so much liability, they don't want to overpromise. Um, they don't want to say that you're going to get better from something and then get a lawsuit because you didn't. So I think that that's kind of the mindset of a lot of people is they're used to the Western medical system to thinking if they find out that they have this in their genetics, that they're kind of just going to get it. Or they just notice my sister had breast cancer. My mom had breast cancer. My grandma had breast cancer. I'm going to probably just die of breast cancer. And they just kind of take that at face value. Then it's very disempowering. And I think it, it kind of leaves you at a place of like hopelessness of, well, I can't do anything anyway. So I might as well go eat this Big Mac at McDonald's and I might as well stay up late and binge on a pint of ice cream and whatever. Right. So it, it doesn't really inspire you to grow and make yourself any better to care for yourself, to really listen to your body and, and have that relationship with it. It kind of almost feels like your body's betraying you. Shifting that mindset again, we're going to come back to mindset, shifting that mindset to my body is working for me. My body is always healing. My body is always trying to heal. And my job is to just do what I can to support that, that you're a team with your body. You're, at, you're one with your body. You can't separate your mind from your body. Um, and really embracing all the things that your body is doing right and then giving yourself some love and giving yourself the foods that are actually going to nurture you, giving yourself the extra sleep, giving yourself the movement that your body needs, breathing to bring your nervous system back down to a calm and rested place, you know, is going to help those genes to not express themselves in a negative way because your body is able to kind of keep everything in check then. And I'm not saying you'll never get anything that you're predisposed to, but typically you can buy a lot more time. <laughs> Or you can completely avoid it 100%. So, you know, most doctors would say I'm in remission from ulcerative colitis. I would say I do not have ulcerative colitis anymore because it's been 10 years and I've had zero symptoms. And I know as long as I take care of myself, I'm going to stay that way. If I was to go back to my sad American diet that I had before growing up, if I was to go eat Taco Bell all the time and McDonald's and all of those unhealthy food products, um, if I was to stop eating all the vegetables, if I was to stop eating organic, if I was to continue unhealthy stress management practices <laughs> and not be able to cope with that well, then I would probably get some symptoms again. But I'm going to continue taking care of myself and I'm going to continue staying symptom free. And you can do the same thing too once you learn these tools. And I think that's the biggest thing that I would like to do for other people is to empower them and inspire them to listen to their bodies and create that connection with their body so that they can be their own best healers. I love that. And that kind of answered my last question was that, you know, what is one piece of advice that you would give our listeners who, you know, are starting their healing journey? What would they incorporate in and please add anything, but one of or two of the biggest things that I've heard you say throughout this whole episode is perspective mm -hmm. and empowerment. Absolutely. Listen to your body. That's big. A lot of my clients that start with me, they think, you know, like, oh, well, what I'm eating, I don't feel, I don't feel anything from it. It doesn't feel bad. And then as we start to clean everything up, they become more and more sensitive and in tune with their body. And they start to notice, wow, I really felt 
pretty crummy before and I didn't even realize how crummy I felt. I had a client recently who was like, I didn't even realize I had all this like nasal like sinus congestion till it was gone I have clients say stuff like that all the time it's like you just you your body it's it's a survival mechanism where you become kind of detached from all of these symptoms you numb yourself out from feeling all the things and so listen to your body really start to tune in and notice what you eat how it makes you feel what you do how it makes you feel and I think that's one of the most powerful things. And the one other thing I could say that you can start with right away that will make a huge impact is eat real food. Yeah, those are huge. And there's there's one other thing that I just wanted to circle back really fast is and to remind people to have grace and understanding on this healing journey that it is going to take time. And if you are working with a certified holistic nutritionist or a naturopath or somebody, you know, who does practice more in Eastern medicine and just alternative medicine, that it is going to take time. And like Addie said, it's going to be this kind of winding road where you start and you're like, okay, what do we need to do for you now? Is this working? Is this not working? It's not this very straight road. It's we have to learn you while you're learning you. We're also learning you and learning what's best for your body and guiding through and finding the root cause. And so just know that it is going to be a process and it's not the same. This is where that mindset shift that Addie was talking about is so important is that it is a different process because what we're talking about here is, is healing, not band-aiding. And most people like Addie was just saying, they don't even know what feeling good feels like. And that's what we want you guys to feel is what feeling good feels like. And that takes time. Yeah. And that's a, a really great point. And I would say, you know, a lot of people start the natural route and they'll try making some changes to their diet. They'll start eating organic or they'll maybe cut out some, some sugar or things like that. Maybe they'll try a supplement and they will give up after like a week because they don't feel anything. And sometimes it can take a month. Sometimes it can take a, a few months to feel some significant changes, especially if you're really not tuned in with your body anymore. It takes time for you to to start to really even feel those changes. I think, you know, patience and persistence is huge. Yes. Thank you, Addie, so much for your time and your knowledge and just your calming voice. I absolutely love listening to you talk because you're just so knowledgeable and so wise, but also so graceful and just calming. I'm like, what else does she have to say? I could just listen to her for hours. (laughs) So no, thank you for just your whole energy and your whole being and what you're doing and the difference that you're making. If anybody wants to work further with Addie, her information will be in the description of this episode. Or if you have any questions for her, just reach out to her. Her information will be in the description. Addie, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Amber, for having me. This was really fun. 